0: You're listening to Market Scale Software and Electronics. I'm your host Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Joseph Johnson, the creative director for Marksent. Joe, how are you today? I'm doing real well, Sean. Thanks for the invite. Hey, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Do me a favor. Give me the the short version of how you wound up at this fascinating industry, specifically at Marksent.
1: Uh, after uh, finishing up some work uh, in Seattle uh, on a UX team, uh, came back to Tampa and was just looking for an innovative company uh, that was doing interesting things. and uh, Markson was uh, exploring uh, how to use uh, augmented virtual reality for uh, marketing and retail. You know what's really interesting
0: about that is you went from UX, design, which is typically looking at a screen, right, whether yep. it's a handheld or a mobile or a desktop, a, a monitor, to an actual full immersion user experience, was was there a little bit of a learning curve when you, or did you just jump right into it?
1: Uh, there was absolutely a learning curve. Um, you know, uh, user interfaces in, uh, in, in the virtual screen space are very difficult, uh, or at least they were very difficult for us at the beginning. Uh, it's hard to determine, uh, you know, what scale text is supposed to be at, how people are going to interact with elements, uh, you know, because you don't always know what their primary control system is. You don't know if they have access to controllers. You don't know if they're just going to be basically looking at things, uh, which is the, the old way that we dealt with uh, interactivity. You would long look at something. It was sort of like a long press and a gestural uh, input. Uh, so, yeah, there were definitely some uh, some learning curves.
0: Now, you know, normally I would say, hey, it's at this time of year, it's trade show season and conventions and you're earning your frequent flyer miles. And then I would try and get sneakily get to you to reveal some sort of secret or new project that you're working on. But you guys already revealed something called Marksense 3D Cloud. You showed the whole world at ShopTalk 2018. So go ahead, spill the beans.
1: Give me the details. Oh, on the, I mean uh, – uh, the uh, the details there are that uh, we had signed a uh, we had signed a deal with Macy's uh, to produce a, basically a prototype for them. Uh, we produced uh, a in store retail virtual reality headset experience where uh, users can design their room on an iPad with a concierge, or uh, even looking further down the line by themselves, uh, then visualize that space uh, in virtual reality. Uh, and it basically eliminates doubt about you know what fit what 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 goes where, how it's all going to look. Um, and, uh, we've, we've seen really tremendous results from it.
0: You know, one of the challenges that I, I know must keep you awake at night is the fact that virtual reality requires you to supply every element, sight, sound, tactile, even smell, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Whereas (laughs) AR is the, the air is already there. You don't have to create that tree. You just have to augment it. Tell me a little bit about the 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 different sort of thinking cap you put on, or is there a different thinking cap for either of those arenas?
1: Uh, so the thinking cap is very different uh, when you when you're looking at perspective between augmented and virtual reality. Uh, when you're in when you're in an AR space, uh, you you there's much less effort to be done, uh, and mostly you're focusing on integrating. Uh, the virtual with what's around them. Uh, so there's a bit of like, where is this installation going to go? How are we going to ensure that people have enough space to experience it? How are we going to set up lighting, you know, stuff like that? Because uh, the apps at this point don't have enough, de- uh, enough data to construct a realistic surrounding on their own. So you're sort of faking it a little bit for AR right now. Um, whereas with virtual reality, you have a lot more control over you know, how a product looks uh, what in what experiences people are going to have with that product, what kind of interactions they can have with it. Uh, I would say that uh, at the moment, uh, virtual reality is a much more pleasant experience to design for and to work in. And you mentioned
0: data. There are massive amounts of data that you have to use to construct a virtual space. The cloud is just mandatory, right? There's no way that you can realistically manage a photorealistic virtual reality environment if you're not managing all that data in the cloud
1: yeah so uh that was actually one of the big challenges for us when we were moving into retail so uh the original idea was that we would do everything from the cloud and we would just drop models onto devices as necessary um as it turns out, uh, a lot of retail locations do not have great internet access. Uh, shocker, I know. Um, but, uh, what we've had to do is we've developed, uh, local caching systems, uh, basically on location servers, uh, that can handle, you know, uh, the, the data updates from the catalog, uh, overnight. Uh, has been a lot of uh, has solved a lot of problems for us, uh, but in locations where uh, connectivity is good, uh, we absolutely prefer to drop the data from the cloud, uh, just because uh, it saves a whole bunch of technical uh, problems for uh, local support staff, uh, which are not always necessarily uh, empowered to make the the decisions that we need in order to deliver content when we need to deliver it. So let's talk about that processing that
0: needs to take place. If you're going to do it on site. Are we at a point where we have the technology to accomplish the things that you see when you close your eyes and you think, oh, I want it to do this or I want it to do that? Or are we going to need to access quantum computing or get Department of Defense level, you know, processing? Are we close?
1: So NVIDIA uh, has done a lot of effort uh, in making uh, VR accessible for basically anybody. Um, And we basically have enough uh, computing power in a in a desktop PC at this point, to, I would say, create the level of graphic detail that, say, the layperson is really comfortable with to say, wow, you know, I, I didn't imagine that this was possible. Uh, as far as, like, you know, truly photoreal stuff, the sort of things that you can imagine from, say, a blockbuster movie, or something like that, you know, you're looking at, like, five, six years down the line. So do you find... Uh,
0: that some of your biggest critics are your in-house artists and they drive you crazy. We've, Oh, this thing is just not right. I can't get this leaf right. Or that chair is just not the way I want it to be.
1: Uh, I would say it's more likely because we have a really great in-house uh, technical art team. Our, our, our technical art lead, Vince Killian, um, does a lot of great work in trying to optimize uh, what we can do with the types of tech uh, that are currently available. Uh, I think that the product owners, you know, the, our, uh, the retail uh, product owners are the ones who are really pushing for uh, true, you know, photorealistic uh, models. Uh, we do our best to make sure that any tradeoff that we have to make in-app, you know, because of uh, computing power limitations uh, on, a de- on a given device, you know, like say an iPad. An iPad has just a lot less computing power than a, than a, de- a, a desktop PC. Um, we are doing the best that we can to make those trade-offs basically invisible for end users.
0: Computer vision is sort of changing. Originally, VR was a neat little toy. You know, it was, a, oh, look, it's an entertainment thing. And it seems like you guys are starting to pivot a little bit. It's really becoming a serious
1: tool, right? So I think that any technology is really judged by the amount of value that it truly brings to the people around it. Uh, I, You know, if you think about the way augmented reality is right now, it's sort of lacking a killer app. Uh, the big apps right now, I believe, are like Snapchat, uh, basically AR toys. You know, you look at Google Pixel and they did the uh, the awaken the Force Awakens stuff. Um, those things seem like toys to me. They seem very flash in the pan. They don't seem like something that's going to last. Uh, whereas this VR uh, visualization stuff, things that eliminate doubt, things that provide real value to your you know final consumers, I think those are the things that are in the end going to be what people judge a technology by. Uh, so, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, our hearts are in the enterprise play, uh, and that's where I see you know real benefit coming. Well, you mentioned
0: the partnership you have with Macy's. I would imagine that if I go into Macy's and I can put in the dimensions of my room and I can see how that much space that couch is really going to take up in my room, that the odds of me having to return that couch are lessened tremendously because, oh, it's going to look this big.
1: Yeah, it, not even it's going to look this big. I know I can get it in the door because we know that standard door sizes are X, Y, and Z. Uh, we can ensure that packages come through. There are a lot of uh, little value-added bits to it, uh, but in in I would say that early data has shown that it has it has truly reduced returns. Um, I can't give specifics unfortunately because of the nature of that agreement, but uh, I can say that the our value proposition is you know, sell larger baskets generally because people are going to be adding elements to these 3d scenes so that they don't look empty. Uh, and then additionally, it's very hard to make the claim. Well, I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I didn't know if it was going to fit or not when you know, both of those things, uh, intimately. So that's, those are definitely the results that we're seeing, uh, at this point.
0: Is there something right now that you're seeing that you guys have developed and you think, Oh man, I just want like, just five more minutes.
1: Uh, so I've been I've been under the headset for about uh, five and a half years now. Um, so I, I have to admit I'm a little I'm a little jaded about it. Uh, I I use our products uh, largely to evaluate whether or not they have the benefits that we are saying they do. Um, my own personal experience with VR uh, is colored by the fact uh, that I'm personally trying to disconnect uh, my day to day. Like I try to I do my best to stay out of VR at this point. Um, uh, it, that's just a personal thing uh, as, as I've gone longer in the tech industry, I just want to have more personal contact with people. I can totally agree
0: with that. I understand that. So let's talk about that contact. Um, one of the ways that you integrate and have more contact with people is sort of looking towards the future, focusing on things that you want to accomplish and things that you think are able to be accomplished yep. by looking out into the future. So as a, as an, a thought leader in the industry, what do you see out on the horizon that kind of gives you some optimism?
1: The big challenge with VR headsets is that they are effectively uh, isolating, right? So when you're in a VR headset, you're not really interacting fully with other people. Uh, and it's because you can't share that virtual space with them. Uh, the things that I find most exciting about our industry right now are a confluence of uh, shared VR spaces. Uh, my understanding is that IBM uh, has partnered with Unity recently recently uh to create uh, better virtual uh telepresence systems using Watson um additionally uh as uh headset tech gets miniaturized and uh displays get better uh the reality of a hybrid AR VR headset comes along that you could you know pack into a pair of glasses rather than a giant you know over over the eyes headset uh, I like the idea of being able to switch seamlessly in between virtual and digital worlds, especially when you can collaborate in them. Those are the things that I think are exciting. Not so much uh, the, like, gee whiz uh, graphics quality or... um, I I don't know that full immersion is the way to go all the time. Uh, I think it really is determined. You know, the the, the old saying is that form should follow function. Um, And the function for our business, for these techs, is to enable people to communicate uh, more effectively and clearly with each other. Uh, and I think that there's a hybrid in between a VR, a full VR headset and some sort of mixed reality experience that's going to be a better overall... Like uh, in, in the end, it'll be a better sales experience. It'll be a better collaboration experience when you can maybe uh, see each other a little more clearly, communicate a little better, uh, and you're not sort of bogged down by this uh, contraption that you have to wear uh, over your entire field of view.
0: You know, there's an interesting feature set that is starting to appear in uh, noise-canceling headphones, and that's the concept of pass-through. Yeah. Right? And so you're thinking of a visual pass-through.
1: Absolutely. Um, I would say right now that if, if I could have my way, uh, I would have, like, say, the Vive manufacturer, uh, HTC, and I would, and uh, whoever's putting the other Oculus' hardware, uh, I would have them enable front-facing cameras uh, so that people could simultaneously... Uh, If they wanted to view the outside world while they're still under that thing, uh, I would like to uh, figure out a way to give a better audio uh, presence for what's happening in the real world and what's happening underneath the headset. So, yeah, pass through is definitely something I'd like to see more of.
0: You know, I've always felt that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was an early sort of precursor to the concept of augmented reality.
1: Sure. Uh, or or your cool worlds or uh, any number of different uh, animation on live action films. Yeah. Where are you going with that, buddy? Well, I was
0: just getting ready to say it seems like the ability to superimpose a, a virtual object, whether it's an animated object or a plant, whatever, right, to be able to put that in the context, sure. proper context. Uh, it seems like, the, you know, some of the big challenges obviously would be the lighting, any sort of ambient movement you have to have from air currents, things like that, the interactivity in that. It seems like um, you're not going to run out of work anytime soon, Joe.
1: Oh uh, no! Uh, basically, there's only going to be more work for artists as time goes on. Uh, you know, it's you could look at uh, creating the visuals for these worlds as a science. Uh, obviously, it is to a certain extent, um, but in the end, you know, we discussed the uncanny valley uh, another time previously. There are always little touches uh, that are important, I think, to make for artists uh, because the fact of the matter is, uh, the virtual world is not the real world, and I think it is going to be important for an interpretation. Of those virtual worlds to be made, uh, an artist down the line is going to have to make some kind of call about whether or not this lighting looks right, whether or not this uh, model looks more real than the than the quote unquote scientifically correct you know CAD model or whatever. Uh, and I I don't think there's ever going to stop being work for artists in digital worlds. Okay, so here's your
0: final question. You have a headset. It's a pass through. What building would you like to be the first one that you outfit with this experience?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, So for me, it might be the uh, Museum of Modern Art uh, up in uh, New York City. Uh, I've only been once, uh, but there is a case to be made for um, a bastion of, uh, you know, forward-thinking artists, uh, et cetera, to engage in a very real um, transformation of that space that's just not possible in other media. I think that there's always... uh, Uh, a form of art that defines a media, something that is impossible uh, in any other format. Uh, So, you know, you could look at video games as being, you know, their own form of art and there's certain things that they can do and then there's film that can only be done. You know, there's certain things you can do in film you can't do in other places. Uh, I would like to see... Um, something experiential uh, at a place where you're already sort of immersing yourself in all of these other artists' conceptions of the world, or uh, really cute tricks that they may have made. Uh, and I'd like to see what uh, a bunch of really talented artists could do uh, in that space.
0: When you finish that project, you just drop me a little line, and and I'll I'll uh, fly on up to New York and uh, come and enjoy that. Because I, you're gonna make that happen, right?
1: Uh, I'll sure. You know what? I'm gonna
0: do it single handedly. It's gonna be the best. I knew I could count on you. Today, I've had the pleasure of talking to Joe Johnson, the creative director for Marksent. And you can be reached at Marksent, M-A-R-X-E-N-T, labs.com. Joe, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh,
1: It was my pleasure. Have a good one, Sean.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the Market Scale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.